And I'm so glad we're together. And the journey is finished. From Puerto Rico to Miami to Naples to now back home in the Detroit home office of the Paul W. Smith Show. And it's a pleasure to be here with you on the Thursday that we begin the excitement of once again now our 37th annual Bed and Bread Club Radiothon that's starting at about 4 o'clock this afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, uh, about 4 o'clock, Mr. Rieger, where we'll start having information on the yes, air? Yes, that sounds correct. Beginning at 4 o'clock uh, with some uh, Salvation Army Bed and Bread success stories and donation information beginning at 4. And then uh, the live broadcast tomorrow morning starting at 6 from the Salvation Army. Of course, we start off with First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. That'll actually be 5 to 6, so I'm sure that they mean to say it'll start at 5, I guess, because they'll be there 5 to 6. Then J.R. Morning with Guy, Lloyd, and Jamie from 6 to 9. All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz getting a shortened edition of their show, 9 to 11. And then Focus with yours truly and Chris Renwick joining us, 11 a.m. till 2 So we'll take to the airwaves and start helping raise money with your help from 11 to 2 tomorrow. Mitch takes over 2 to 4. And then Guy comes back with the the guy who started it all, Dick Purton, and the Purton family from 4 till 7. There'll be civic and business leaders as well as local and national celebrities joining the conversation throughout the day encouraging us all to make a difference for the hungry and homeless in Metro Detroit. The most important people will be you, the best and brightest audience in all of radio. As we all together join the club that's here for good with a donation of $120 that will help feed five people for nearly a month. Those who can donate $240 will help provide meals for 10 people for nearly a month and receive an embroidered limited edition Bed and Bread Club Radiothon Rain Poncho as a thank you. You can also support the Bed and Bread program by bidding on experiential and unique items during the Radiothon throughout the uh, online auction. And there'll be new auction items added throughout the day. So it's it's a big day, it's a big deal, and it's an important one. And it starts at 4 this afternoon, running uh, right through 7 o'clock tomorrow night and i'm so glad that you will help us and you always have the best and brightest audience and most generous audience in all of radio so we got a lot of things to talk about how about this headline um trump's messianic message resonates with the forgotten that almost sounds well it sounds foreboding but if you really look at what messianic means it means savior We usually think of Jesus Christ, but certainly Donald Trump, though I don't believe he is suggesting he is Jesus Christ, um, is suggesting that he could be a savior. And I don't think there's anything wrong with people saying we, we need a savior in this country. If you look clearly at what's been going on with illegal immigration destroying our country with drugs and other issues and the costs that are involved, as well as 
inflation and so many other things we've been taught to look the other way for. But Nolan Finley and Caitlin Buss have not looked the other way. That's their story under the headline. Trump's messianic message resonates with the forgotten. We're going to speak with, well, let's see, are we speaking with both of them, David, or just Nolan? No, just Caitlin. Oh, just Caitlin. I'm sorry. Yes. I, I saw that. Hey, my... Paul, do you mind if I jump in here? This is Tom Jordan. Tom Jordan of the famous Kevin Deeds, Tom Jordan, WJR All Talk? No, the other guy. Oh. Oh. The other one? No, it's him. It's him. Yes, <laughs> nice to have you here. Yeah, I was listen. I, I was. I just saw that. I, I listen. I respect Caitlin Buss tremendously and, and Nolan Finley as well. I think. I mean, when you see this whole like messianic kind of characterization yeah. of Donald Trump, do you think that is, is that is an accurate way that his supporters perceive him, or is this kind of a perception that anti-Trump people put on them? To make it seem like they think he's the savior, because I don't, I don't read that at all. I don't think this is how Trump supporters view him, trying to equate him with Jesus Christ. Well, no, I, I think that's, a, um, I tried to make that point that it's a bit much to say that that he or his followers, believers, yes. supporters would yeah. think he's Jesus Christ. I do believe, and why not? I do believe they believe he could be a savior to where they think our country is today and where it's headed, which is not good. Yeah, saving the country. No, I, I, I think you made that very clear. I love your perspective on it. That's why I jumped in. I thought, okay, Paul just nailed it. You said it right. And I think what happens is that they try to use the phrase messianic, which I can't stand when they do that, because I think it's a mischaracterization of how people feel the kind of salvation they want. They don't want a salvation of their soul from Donald Trump. They want someone to come in and set this the the political realm right and i i think you nailed it that's why i wanted to jump in i think well it's so nice of you to uh, to join us tom and to uh, say that are you excited about uh, tomorrow's broadcast i the am special broadcast you nailed that too <laughs> <laughs> yes the salvation army it's, it's a wonderful time of year we do this every year the bed and breakfast uh, the, the better breakfast. It is a radio thought we do. <laughs> bed and breakfast. Yeah, listen, listen, it I'm is hungry. the hardest name to get right. I've <laughs> been doing bread. it for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the better bread program is wonderful, and uh, we always enjoy doing this. And with the wonderful thing about it, and you do a wonderful job when you have the guest on your show and you bring out the stories of the people who are benefiting directly from this program. And we've ridden the trucks, we've talked to individuals themselves whose lives have been transformed. By this was kind of like an entryway. Uh, the Salvation Army will feed you, will bring you in, will help you get back on your feet. And then, oh, by the way, here are some other ways you can get your life restored. It's amazing what they do. It is it's going to be an emotional yeah. and touching day where we once again give our listeners, the best and brightest in all of radio, the most generous, an opportunity to help people they will never meet. And they will find what a good feeling there is in giving over and above the feeling of receiving. Mm. There's a tremendous gift and feeling in giving. So I'm going to ask you this, uh, Tom Jordan. I don't uh, often get a chance to talk to you right after your show. And that is, uh, since you have weighed in, what would you like me to ask Caitlin Buss? Um, and now, oftentimes they don't. Those of us who write for the newspaper don't get to write our, our own headline. They might because they're bosses. I don't get to write my own headline on my column. Is there anything in particular 
you would like me to ask them on your behalf. Oh, I, yeah, I, and I agree. Again, I will say I love their columns. They're both tremendous uh, journalists, and I respect their opinions very much. I, I would say, I, I, you know, wh why use the phrase messianic? Do you have you talked to Trump supporters who kind of view them, view him in that light, or what do you mean more? Like what you were saying, Paul? Do you mean that? He's a guy that can come in and set all the wrongs that have happened over the past three years right again and bring it back to the way policy-wise things were. What, what is your kind of take on I mean, that? And, and, and here's the thing. That's, uh, that word is, is definitely a whistle. Yes. And it is, they're, they're telling us how they feel in the headline. Yes, I, I mean, agree. they've made a determination based on what word is in the headline, whether they wrote the headline or not. But then here's the other uh, – I hear the music playing here. Um, uh, <laughs> there's Well, there's a lot to talk about. And one of the things in the beginning of the column, they talk about how hard it is for so many people, so many politicians, to get people to show up at their events. Mm -hmm. And yet with a Trump event, people are trying hard to find tickets. Yes. Yeah. That means that people are very much involved. They're crying isn't, out. Isn't that what we want? Yes, we do. Instead of the lethargy <laughs> that we have now? Right. They're engaged because they have a need and they want someone to meet it. Right. Paul, I can't thank you enough for letting me jump in here. I just was hearing you, enjoying your show as always, and I thought I would love to chime in. Well, I Thanks for your graciousness. That. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. We'll see you tomorrow <laughs> at the Salvation Army. Look forward to it. Tom Jordan, who joins his friend Kevin Dietz in WJR All Talk, all right here. On WJR at now 1214, it's Focus with Paul W. Smith and Friends. Gee, I heard that promo and I said, that sounds like my show. Oh, it is my show. Focus with Paul W. Smith, and I do hope you'll stream us, whether you're at WJR.com, Alexa, Google Home, the WJR app. And be sure to go to The Great Voice. No, wait a minute. That's wrong. What is, what is it for the podcast? I added in The Great Voice of the Great Lakes. That's not right. It's The Great voice.com isn't it you got it okay let me get to the great voice huh all right so the i don't know when i oh because we've said it for so long the great voice of the great lakes it was just a, a habit so go to the great voice.com for podcasts for all the shows including this one and it's very important to us because they keep track of all of that so thank you uh, in advance for those especially who can't be with us from noon to two. And if you're with us right now, maybe you can't be every day. We really need you and appreciate you. That is the truth. All right, here we go. Uh, Jared Halpern is here, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. And uh, he's weighing in on what everyone's talking about regarding Nikki Haley. Hi, Jared. How are you? Nice to be on with you again. I, uh, I am fine. Long time no talk to. Nice to have you here. Um, I I don't know what's what's your take. You're hearing a lot of people talking about her uh, her press conference the other day. We talked about it where she you know it's kind of odd. Just did a press conference to say, oh by the way, doesn't matter if I don't win um, in one of these primaries. I'm I'm staying in. And I don't think that's surprising. Um, I mean, certainly the expectation is that she's going to lose uh, on Saturday to, to former President Trump in South Carolina uh, by the. Former president's own estimation, he will win bigly. I think he said in an interview <laughs> uh, earlier this week. Um, and listen, I think that's right. Uh, obviously, you know, the deficits and margins are going to matter here because uh, one thing that 
um, you know, you've heard from from the uh, Haley campaign is they are looking to, to gain momentum. They want to be able to show that they are starting to eat in a little bit on Trump's hold of uh, this primary. Um, but I also think beyond that, Haley still has a lot of campaign cash coming in. She has had a pretty good uh, uh, donations and contributions fundraising reports. You've seen that. Um, and she is running because she, she is the last sort of alternative to Trump, uh, you know, left. And, and I think she's taking that as a pretty big responsibility to, to see how long she can uh, sort of stay in there and, and continue to, to be uh, that other voice in this race. She has warned repeatedly about the legal uh, questions surrounding uh, Trump. Uh, obviously, he starts his first criminal trial in New York next month. She has talked about that. Her campaign has been very critical of the way that money is being used uh, by um, Trump uh, surrogates or Trump surrogates, but like super PACs and, and stuff like that to pay his uh, legal bills and says that's going to wipe away money uh, that traditionally would help down ticket races as well, which is something generally that a presidential nominee uh, cares a lot about. And so she's continuing to make that case so far it's not showing up with her winning. Uh, these contests, the expectation is that she's not going to win uh, on Saturday. But I think she's hoping to maybe put up a number that surprises some folks and maybe closes um, that deficit from sort of the 20, 25, 30 percent margins that certainly uh, look to be the case in polling right now. Well, you know what? Uh, let's say you and I are in a race and there are 10 people in the race and nine people, eight people fall by the wayside. Well, the odds of us winning, though might be very slim, are improved greatly. So why not be the only person left as an alternative should any number of things, some that we could predict and some that we cannot, might happen? Listen, I think that's part of what she is trying to do. Uh, keep in mind that these primaries are not just about winning and losing outright. They are about collecting delegates. These have not been so far winner-take-all states. So Nikki Haley does have delegates uh, that are pledged to her for the convention. She is hoping to pick up um, a number of them on Super Tuesday as well. You've got some big state voting, Texas, California. Uh, Michigan's primary is coming up well. Um, and so, again, I think she kind of looks at that and to your point, if, if something, you know, falls by the wayside, you kind of use that racing analogy. I mean, somebody who's in the lead could fall down, I guess, and then the only other person yeah, well, I mean, is, is the person looked. behind them, even if they're behind them by, by a, a, a lot. Um, and so she's able to make that case, right? Um, and, again, I, I think what has helped Nikki Haley is that there are still those um, who are supporting her, and she still seems to have enough resources in the campaign war chest there uh, to keep this going. Super Tuesday is going to take a lot of resources, right? It is a ton of states. Michigan is a tough state to compete in. You know, you've got multiple media markets. You can't really go door to door in Michigan, I guess, like you can in, in some other states. And so we'll see what her campaign looks like maybe after Super Tuesday um, not just about sort of strategically whether or not she has a path, uh, but if she has the resources that are going to be required to continue to, to campaign and, and stay in this race. Jared Halpern with his Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. In fact, speaking of Michigan, I'm I'm told that she's spending more than five hundred thousand yeah. dollars on a new television advertising campaign here in the state. I think starting today ahead of our February 27th primary. Yeah. Uh, that, according to one of her uh, spokespersons, 
And, and I, think uh, she's in, I think she's in Michigan on Sunday, no? I think she's going straight from South Carolina to Michigan. Rieger, Dave, you've been following this. Did she come already, or is she coming back? Or what's the story on uh, Nikki Haley in Michigan? I think she's coming back. I have to double-check, though. Yeah, I, I thought I think, that I... I think next week. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah, but I had I, a primary. I, I, I think her campaign very much is uh, investing, as you point out, um, uh, in Michigan. Uh, again, I think she's trying to focus as much as she can on states that fall into kind of two categories, either have an open primary or have uh, maybe a population of independents and Republicans who um, she can win over um, to, to kind of throw their support. Uh, again, it's tough. The Republican Party has certainly been – uh, overwhelmingly uh, in step with Trump. The party has certainly moved in the direction of Trump. You've seen that not just at the national level, but at state party levels as well. Um, but listen, she's going to try to continue to uh, make her argument that there needs to be an alternative to Trump and that she believes uh, that, that she is much more electable in November uh, than Donald Trump. And there is some polling that bears that out, but there is also plenty of polling out there that shows that uh, Trump uh, can beat Biden. Well, it, 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 look, Michigan, if I could swear on the radio and I chose not cool. to go that yeah. route, Michigan is a blank. Front Michigan front is front a the, the, the GOP in Michigan is a blank show. And uh, you can fill in the blank any way you want, but it's not been good. Uh, and so it'll be fascinating to see how all this shakes out. I, I got a kick out of the reporter who apparently uh, – Asked President Biden as he departed the White House yesterday, maybe the day before, whether ago, he yeah. whether he preferred to go up against Haley or Trump this fall. And my answer for him would have been, for what? But he didn't say that. As much fun as that would be if he had said it. <laughs> he said, oh, he said, I, don't I, care. <laughs> I don't care. Oh, I don't care. As long as I get my ice cream. No, he didn't say that either. I just like to add things that are potentially... <laughs> Potentially funny. Uh, anyway, potentially. Remember, I said potentially. Uh, appreciate your help as always, Jared Halpern. Uh, keep up the good work, and don't be a stranger around here, pal. Won't be. We'll talk soon. Jared Halpern, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. Coming up, Marie Osborne has some interesting things to go over with us, as she always does. This is on the James Crumbly Part 2 trial after his wife was found guilty. Uh, now his trial's coming up. Lots going on. Stay with us. Focus with Paul W. Smith. We make each and every day count. Each day is a gift. And you are on your way to doing that very thing. And also bear in mind uh, QTR, quality time remaining. We think we know. We do not know. Just bear that in mind. Live your life that way. By the way, uh, Dave did a little uh, research for us and uh, said Nikki Haley will indeed be here Sunday. This, the plan, and these can always change, Sunday in Troy and then Monday in Grand Rapids. So that, that kind of that sews that up so we know what the answer was. Nikki Haley, Sunday in Troy, Monday in Grand Rapids, the current plan. The trial of the father of the Oxford High School shooter less than two weeks away and will be facing at least one additional witness that was not at his wife's trial. That witness is the original owner of the gun which was used in the school shooting that left four students dead. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne reports James Crumbly's attorney is fighting to keep the shooter's journals and texts 
out of her client's trial. Here we go again, Marie. Yeah, there's a lot going on here uh, in these pre-trial hearings, Paul. So let's first start with the previous owner of the gun. Judge Cheryl Matthews ruled that the prosecution could add the original gun owner as a witness because he has knowledge of the condition of the lock that was on that 9mm handgun when he sold it back to the gun shop. The prosecution contends it is the same lock that was on the gun when James Crumley bought it for his son four days later and it was, again, the gun used in the school shooting. Prosecutors want to show that the gun lock was in a plastic bag instead of on the gun, which uh, there would show the gun was not responsibly stored. Now, in another uh, issue, the defense is also fighting to block journals from the hearing. Uh, These journals involve the shooter's mental health, his journals or his text messages. Prosecutors say they believe that evidence will show that James Crumley ignored his son's pleas for mental health help. We heard that in the first trial with his wife. The judge granted a defense motion which allows the lawyers to dismiss jurors for any reason during the selection process. This is important. The judge all, uh, a ruling that she will allow eight such challenges uh, during jury selection. Paul, also the prosecution wants to add two students who were shot in the rampage on the witness list. Again, Crumley's lawyer is fighting that, saying the defense is saying testimony like that would not be necessary because a teacher and an assistant principal will be testifying, and the jury will once again see that video of the day of the shooting. You know, uh, this is a, a, a look, I, I, I watch this stuff kind of. I don't get fully involved because I have no, I can have no effect on this thing whatsoever. But the attorney for James Crumbly said in court this week, well, filed in court this week, that if she cannot ask the shooter questions, it would be unfair for prosecutors to introduce journal entries he made, texts he sent, and information about his mental health. That seems to make pretty good sense to me. What about you? Uh, you know, it may, uh, at, you know, as observers, that that could make sense. But of course, it's the defense's job to keep anything that could uh, possibly be damaging to their client out of the trial. So um, that's that's the reasoning behind it. It's the defense's job to keep any evidence they think might damage their climate, client out of the trial. So that's why they were going up. Well, and I that. understand that, but I mean, it, it, it sounds like a reasonable argument. Was that argument oh, made mm-hmm. in the, well, I can't remember, in, in mom's trial, he didn't testify, yes, did he? Yes, yes. Uh, no, the son. You're you're talking about uh, the shooter. The shooter uh, who I never mentioned his name because yeah. so yeah. he did not testify, and the reason he didn't testify was this because he, uh, you know, the the appeals process is not over for him, and he could have pled the fifth. And if he did, you can't call a witness in a trial that you know will plead the fifth. So that's why he was not called. In, in that trial. That's fascinating. I, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know that. Um, and secondly, I wonder why, because based on the questions you ask, when he pleads the fifth on some of those questions would in fact bring a harsh spotlight on him and maybe say things that he can't, wouldn't say in his own words, but says if he won't answer a very simple question by going to the fifth. Yeah, but then you see that that could um, damage his uh, 
right. quest for maybe right. having you know, another okay. uh, a repeal. So, yeah, I, so I can hear. They're just they, not going to allow that. They're not going to allow, allow that. I can hear your dog agrees with you 100%. So it's two against she one. Always so. She always does. She always does. Well, you feed her. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, all right. So uh, this is going to – he did ask for a change of venue. That that apparently was thrown out right away. No, it's it's just up in the air right now. Um, the request to, trial, uh, to change the trial venue did not come up. Uh, during the hearing yesterday, so a decision was not read in court on this, so it's still out there. Uh, but, you know, we've talked about this before. Venues, I've never known of a case to have a change of venue. I'm, I'm sure there have been somewhere, somehow. Oh, they're sure. They're so rare. They're so Are they rare. really rare? Oh, my goodness, yes. Extremely I didn't know that. I, 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 try not to, I try not to be in or follow <laughs> trials. No, so, no, it's very, it's very rare. Um, you know, the the jury always gives, uh, excuse me, the judge always gives instructions to the jury. You might have some pre opinion of what's happening here. We're asking you to put that aside and make your judgment based only on what we're presenting in the court during this trial. But you know, can how you do hard that? that is. Can that you is. do it? Yeah, and everyone yeah. says yes, but uh, yeah, it's not easy to do as a no. human being. Because we're human, right? Right. And the same thing when they say, all right, when you leave today, we do not want you discussing this with anything. But the first thing they do is talk about it with their family, I would presume. Well, you know what, though? the um, I've had the opportunity to talk to jurors after big trials, and all of them have said that they really took very, they took their job very, very seriously. Well, good for them. This is your... This is a this is a very important job for you as a citizen. Right. So people take that seriously. Yeah. I'm sure it, there are leaks. I'm sure there are issues, but good citizenship. Good citizenship, and to the point of where people kind of used to brag about getting out of jury duty. Nobody dares mm. do that anymore. Yeah. Nobody brags yeah. about getting out of jury duty because it is, it is part of being a good citizen. Right. I, accepting your responsibility i'm not saying people shouldn't get out of it if there's a reason a real reason but it's it's no longer kind of a yeah i got out of jury duty i'm so happy it 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 isn't like that anymore and that's and that's a good thing anyway all right anything else marie no uh we're getting gearing up of course for the radiothon tomorrow yep you're going to be with us also you'll be there all day probably but we're from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., along with uh, Chris Renwick, and you'll be getting us some totals and some information, and uh, we're all set to present to our audience, the best and brightest audience in all of radio and the most generous, uh, all the opportunity for them to feel really good about giving and helping people they'll never meet, but understand that they will make a real difference, and that's what the Salvation Army is all about. Look forward to it, Marie. Thank you, Paul. We've got uh, Caitlin Buss, assistant editorial page editor of the Detroit News, coming up. I mentioned this earlier to the point of where it made uh, Tom Jordan decide he wanted to weigh in on the show, and I'm glad he did. When I read the headline from today's Detroit News in the Think uh, column, or Think uh, section, Trump's messianic message resonates with the forgotten. And just by using the word messianic says a lot. So we're going to talk about that and more Coming up next in Focus with Paul W. Smith. 
I I love speaking to uh, Caitlin Buss. Yeah, she's my boss, as as Nolan Finley is too with the Detroit News. But I've never seen them, and maybe I I missed it, but I've never seen them. Uh, uh, gang up doesn't sound right. Uh, work together on a on a big column like they have today in the Detroit News uh, in the Think section. And it, this is so intriguing, it even got our friend Tom Jordan from WJR All Talk to hang around and listen to the beginning of her show. And then he came on and spoke with us about this. And the headline is, Trump's messianic message resonates with the forgotten. Caitlin Buss, a fabulous Hillsdale College scholar and tremendous thinker and writer, is on the line with us right now as assistant editorial page editor of the Detroit News. And the question we both came up with, Caitlin, is like when I write a column for you, my measly little Monday columns that I'm starting back up, I never have a say in the headline. Do you and, right. and do you and Nolan, because of your position, make the headline? Well, um, thanks for having me on, Paul. It's always so great to be with with you great as to well. have you Caitlin. um we we do have most of the say over the headlines of course there are people above us and um it's it's usually a group effort i have to say so our entire department works on that um this was you know kind of a fun headline and and honestly a fun piece to write um and you know it 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 certainly stood out i think among today's pieces so appreciate <laughs> oh, yeah. the shout out <laughs> yes to say that it stood out is an understatement I mean, it wouldn't have stood out if you used another word that fits for messianic. If you said Trump's, uh, if you said uh, Trump's mm-hmm. uh, a savior, or you know, uh, yeah, I, I there's no I have question to say that was in that was in a version of the headline without giving too much away. We we had a couple versions, but well, um, because I, I don't blame people for thinking he's a savior because they think or know that their lives seemed to be better when Donald Trump was president than with Joe Biden being president. Right. I, you know, and it, I understand the piece might even, you know, borderline on offensive to some, you know, whether or not they support Trump. I mean, there was some pretty uh, heavy language in there throughout, but I think we were really careful to try and capture the mood of, of that rally. And it was, you know, my first time attending a, a Trump rally like that. I've seen him speak before. Um, but you know, you're right. People really do feel this way. I think it's both the fact that Donald Trump is such an outstanding politician and, and able to withstand so much. And it's also the moment that we're in. And so, you know, he's both this political phenomenon and we're at a really incredible moment where people don't feel their voices are being heard. They don't actually think that their vote matters. They don't see their representatives representing them at the local state level. And so it's almost taking this, you know, messianic message, if you want to say it, to get people over the hump of how do we stop this or how do we get our voice heard? Did uh, and <laughs> forgive me, I'm I'm I really don't no, know. It's OK. I, has yeah, has Donald Trump ever he's likened himself to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Has he ever likened himself to Jesus Christ? I don't I don't think that he has. Um, he did tweet out, or not tweet, I don't think he's back on uh, X, but on Truth <laughs> Social maybe before <laughs> before the um, Iowa primary. I think he shared a, a video that was, you know, another, an outside group had made kind of, you know, saying that he was sent by God to save America. And, you know, 
if Donald Trump believes that, I, I think he's totally, you know, that's within his right to believe that. And that's between him and God. And, and that that can be true for people and they can like it. Um, and it can also be true that, you know, there's all this other stuff going on in the political atmosphere that is feeding um, a politician that, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago wouldn't have had the same success. I just think the political decorum has changed so much. Um, you know, there's a very good reason that people support Trump. It's both policy-based and it's also this kind of existential moment that we're in. Well, we see what's going on. I mean, forget about the sad state of affairs with President Biden. It gives me no joy to point out that he right. is absolutely... Uh, no. Well, I, we don't need to go that way. But my, you, you see, you're not old enough to remember, Caitlin Buss, <laughs> but I sure am. When John Lennon was said to have said, we're bigger than Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. that caused a real <laughs> that caused a real stir. And so mm-hmm. I figured, but Donald must never have said that, or it would have caused a real stir. But that aside, um, it's hard for the average person who seems to be or believes they're suffering in a way they did not under uh, President Trump, not look at what's happening in the way the Democrats are so desperate to make sure that they don't get a chance or the right to vote for him to believe there's some kind of a Democrat conspiracy against him. I agree. I mean, I think there has been a change. In 2016, Trump was a certain kind of candidate. He had his personality. Um, You know, he was it was a negative policy platform, if you want to put it that way, um, that was maybe more negative than where people are at. I think today, though, people are just are feeling exactly the way people who support Trump are feeling how he feels persecuted. Um, and, and he has increased his rhetoric to that end. You know, I'm doing this for you. And we heard that a couple times, something to that effect throughout the rally itself, um, which people were very open to that message. And, and I think it really resonates with them. I and, do you know, so. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with the fines that have been levied against him. You know, it's, it's easy to see how people can feel that there is punishment going on. Um, you know, they're, they're just so kind of over the top to try and squash that voice again. You know, we'll see what happens with the Supreme Court. Um, But we don't have those, people don't have the faith in those levers, you know, to balance out power, I think, that they used to. I I, I wish we had more time. We have a hard out here, and it's always so great speaking with Caitlin Buss. But, for example, how do we react, how can we or should we, when the mainstream media lets this president get away with, here's a, the White House is considering executive action that would allow President Joe Biden to effectively close the U.S.-Mexico border to migrants crossing illegally. Like it's a new right. idea. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> He's had that option the whole time. It was no, being it done. It is hard. <laughs> It was well, I'm being... sure there's much more on that to come, Paul. So yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you're the best, and uh, I can't imagine how proud they are of you at Hillsdale College. And uh, always a great job, Caitlin Buss. Thank you so much. Say hi to Nolan. I will. Thank you, Paul. All right. As uh, we continue. I mean, look at, wow, what an idea. The president wants to, I never heard of this. This is something. He wants to close the U.S.-Mexico border to migrants crossing illegally. Jeez, I, he's brilliant. Why didn't anyone else ever think of that? Wow. We continue. So glad we're together here and, uh, well, every day, but especially uh, today, living in the moment. And uh, the moment is expanded through uh, tomorrow. We'll have our special, uh, well, starting at 4 o'clock this afternoon, an opportunity for you to get information about some of the Salvation Army bed and bread success stories and donation information beginning at 4 today. And then 
our live broadcast. It says here Rieger starts at six, but then when I get when I get the lineup, it says first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale from five to six. So obviously they're on the air. And yeah, I Michael presume, be, yeah, Michael be out there at five, yes. Yeah, I presume people can make donations starting even at five for the early risers. Then uh, J.R. Morning with Gordon Jackson and Edmonds from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. All talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. Uh, they're cut to 9 to 11 tomorrow, and we've added an hour one way. Or, I mean, we didn't add an hour. An hour has been added to our show. Focus with uh, Paul W. Smith, and I've been saying Chris Renwick because that's on the list, but he's out. He's He's ill. He's got the schmutz. So it'll be Marie Osborne, who was going to be with us anyway, doing a, a lot of work. So double time for her from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Mitch and his team from 2 to 4 tomorrow. And then Guy Gordon, Dick Purton, the Purton family from 4 to 7 p.m. As we'll wrap up the club that's here for good. And you can do it with a donation of $120 that will help feed five people for nearly a month. Those who donate $240 will help provide meals for 10 people for nearly a month and receive an embroidered limited edition Bed and Bread Club Radiothon rain poncho as a thank you. There'll be many things to get as well throughout the broadcast, so join us and stay with us or check back with us throughout the day because it's worth it. And you will find out, you may know already because you guys are the most generous people in all of radio, that the, the great feeling there is in giving. It's a, it is a tremendous feeling, uh, for many even better than, uh, than getting. Giving is really something. All right, um, I want to see a showing of hands. There are a couple of stories out there. There's, they're, they're trying to recruit, I don't know if I can find this quickly, uh, it might be on my other paperwork. Um, oh, by the way, I did a whole column on how Red Lobster almost killed themselves by doing that all-you-can-eat shrimp promotion. Do you remember me talking about that on the air as well? Anybody? Okay. Um, <laughs> my team isn't listening. Uh, so they did a deal where you can do all-you-can-eat shrimp, and uh, it about ran them out of business. So now they've come up with another idea. Truly going to be a customer pleaser, but not an accountant pleaser. Now they're going to offer endless lobster. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I mean, that's how everyone's going to react. Are you kidding me? Endless lobster? That's one of the most expensive things you can order in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And and they're going to offer that. Did they not learn their lesson on the endless shrimp? I mean, Wall Street was rocked when that happened. It was terrible. Sounds like they didn't learn their lesson. And it's... also, I got gift cards, so I'm going. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> good, good for you. You know, there are headlines. Let me see. I There was something they were looking for people in one of my stack of stuff. They were looking for people who would sign up to go to Mars. Uh, oh, here it is. NASA is looking for volunteers to sign up as a Martian astronaut. Oh, well, these people won't actually be going to Mars, but instead spend a year inside a simulated Mars colony. No, either way, it's terrible. I would never do it. So, okay, just checking. Um, I don't quite understand this headline. Did anyone see this? Proposed Georgia bill would allow drivers to refuse traffic tickets. Are you kidding? You get pulled over and you go, nah, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want to sign the ticket. I'm not going to do it. Yikes.
we'll have to get more into that. Here's something that, I, you know, I have, I take the lighter side of a lot of things because I'm a lightweight, and I just can't take the lighter side of this. Um, if we could open the phone lines, and we don't have time right now, I don't think, but uh, what would you think of your neighbor if your neighbor had a dog that bit people on a regular basis? I'm not talking about the the once-in-a-while horrific accident. I mean, I'm not big on that, but I'm saying if you had a neighbor next door that regularly bit people and they kept the dog, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think less highly of them? I'm trying to struggle for words here. W- would you, Dave, think less highly? Would yes. you, Danielle, think less highly? Yes. I thought that um, after a dog bit someone so many times, they had to put it down because that dog has, like, uh, a taste for blood. Like, I thought they actually had to do that. Well, maybe they should. So I think they're kind of, the, the owners are kind of irresponsible in that regard. So if our current president was far more capable than he currently is, and please don't get into an argument with me. You see it. You don't want to agree. You'll deny it. But he's had such trouble, clearly. And, I, and if you say you don't see it, I'm not going to argue with you. But here's what we do know. And if he were the best president ever but had this fault, I could never vote for him. Because they've now come out with the truth, at least the truth that they'll let us hear. CNN, big supporter of President Biden, has found that the German shepherd that joined the family as a puppy in December of 2021 and was not removed from the White House until October of 2023 bit at least, this is a new number, at least 24 Secret Service personnel. Do you hear what I'm saying? Was this a puppy, too? Not a puppy any longer. They they brought it in as a puppy. It's a full-grown German oh, shepherd. Okay. Out of control. Clearly had a problem. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't want to put it down, they should have put it out of the White House. And what does that mean the president and his family thinks? What regard does he hold the Secret Service? The people who are paid, paid and not enough, to jump in front of bullets should they be flying toward the president. That he would allow that to continue for more than 24 times. That's double what we originally thought. And the 12 was too many. But to me... That means that's a person I could never support for anything, let alone President of the United States, to stand back and know that this dog has a problem and has bitten at least 24 of the people who are there to protect yours and your family's lives. What lack of regard. I thought... Hillary Rodham Clinton had a lack of regard for her Secret Service, and she did. But her lack of regard was like treating them like porters. Get my bag. I said to get my bag over there. Trust me, I've talked to two families of Secret Service agents that served the former First Lady. Some of the things that were said to those men and women, unthinkable. But but they weren't bitten by a dog. 
that the family continue to harbor and let bite more people. Unacceptable. For those of you who are dyed-in-the-wool, dog-wool, supporters of Joe Biden, ask yourself, how can you possibly put up with that? That's not the kind of person you are. You may sound like a little thing, but i got to tell you, it says a lot when somebody keeps a dog that some people have dogs, and they say, stay away, don't get close to that dog. But to have it actively bite over 24 people is so unacceptable. It says everything that I need to know about them. I'm glad I got that off my chest. As we continue, Focus with Paul W. Smith on WJR. I need I need help on, on this, and I think no one better um, to help us with this. It's Chad Livengood, who we haven't talked with in a while, politics editor, columnist of the Detroit News. Chad, always a pleasure. How are you? I'm doing good, Paul. Are you? I'm so I happy. I talked to you at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, isn't that better? Yeah, yeah, it's better. Uh, I mean, I miss the mornings, and mornings uh, I've heard from so many people who say they miss me too, and I hope that they'll listen to me whenever they can and uh, and, and and go to uh, thegreatvoice.com and hear our podcast, and you can pretend it's whatever time you want it to be. But I need your help on a story I'm just coming into. I've been traveling. I haven't paid close attention. Uh, the headline that I've been given for the topic uh, Whitmer's diversion of cash from teacher retirement fund could be short-lived. And that's your, I think that's the, the headline of your latest column. And it says, Governor Gretchen Whitmer likens the reason why Michigan can afford to divert $670 million annually from a retirement health care fund for 200,000 school employees to paying off your mortgage early. And then you say, if only it were that easy. So if you can... Sum it up for us, starting from the beginning, what's going on here? Yeah, so it's more like actually paying off your second mortgage early, sort of. Um, so Michigan has um, a promised benefit to 200,000 retired public school employees, teachers, administrators, custodians, everyone in between. Uh, and they have, benef- they have promised them a lifetime health care coverage after they retire. Uh, It's otherwise known as uh, other post-employment benefits um, or OPEB. And and so this this, uh, uh, promised benefit uh, 15 years ago was virtually unfunded. Um, Coming out of the Great Recession, there was little to no money in this fund. Uh, By the time Rick Snyder became governor in 2011, it was 5.8% funded. Uh, It was essentially um, uh, just a few years' worth of benefits uh, in there for what is supposed to be lifetime health care for decades uh, for retired school employees. Uh, Governor Snyder then uh, implemented a policy of pre-funding this and put in this and also the pensions. This is separate from pensions. It's just the health care benefit. But with pensions and and the health care, they started putting in over a billion dollars more a year into this fund. Then there was a very good economy for a long stretch of time uh, from about 2013 on to up until the, the pandemic. Um, and so the returns from all the uh, investments uh, uh, was, were gained and and this, this fund went from 5.8% funded 
back in 2011 uh, to 99.2% um, uh, funded uh, in 2022. Let, so let me put it. In, let me put it. Let me let me put it in dollars figures so people understand what we're talking about. Nine, uh, 2011, the Retiree Healthcare Trust Fund had an astonishing 25.9 billion shortfall, but by 2022. The shortfall was down to, as you put it in your words, an astounding from not, from twenty five point nine billion to eighty eight point five million. Yeah, I mean, really, this is a, a success story uh, um, uh, for both. It's uh, something to celebrate for both taxpayers and for retirees alike. In full disclosure, my father is a, is a retired school administrator, so I I understand a little bit about this, but just full disclosure. But at any rate, this has really uh, gone in the right direction for Michigan. A lot of states are still paying as they go, uh, which is what we were doing uh, through basically the Angler years and Granholm years. Um, and Rick Center came in, and he had this mantra of paying down debt. And, and you know, you go around and tell people that if we, if we just pay, keep paying all this debt down over time and pre, pre-funding this, that uh, we, we will be debt-free by 2038 as a state government. Uh, and they, you'd always say 2038 would be a great year to run for governor. You won't have to worry about unfunded liabilities. <laughs> um, and so, so here we are now in 2024. This thing is really well-funded, um, but it's not paid off because it's technically never paid off until the last beneficiary dies. So you got people who are 48 years old. They retire from uh, from teaching at 48, which does happen. You get your 25 years in, and you retire. And so then that per, that 48 year old is, is is entitled to health care benefit for the rest of the lo- their life. They might live another 40 years, and and so the the benefit is never paid off. Medical inflation is is highly unpredictable, um, and so because of that, we don't really. Even though it says like right now the balance sheet that is 99.2 percent funded, and it may be even be over 100 percent. It could go down over time as, as the liability increases because the cost of medical care increases or people live longer or other things have changed the calculation, essentially. And so, in other words, the mortgage is not paid off. And, and, and so um, now the governor's asking the legislature to consider uh, taking this uh, – um, there's, there's a payment due of $680 million dollars. She wants to take 670 million of it and divert it to other um, areas of the of the K-12 budget, um, but then acknowledges that this is really just kind of a one-year plan. Then we'll reassess it. That kind of raises the question: Well, what? How are you going to if you're going to pay? You know, go spend 670 million in other programs. Are you going to sustain that in, in the following year uh, and and five years from now when you're gone, you know, and and from office and whatnot? So it just raises a whole lot of questions. And then the, then and on top of that, this, this is the second mortgage. The first mortgage, uh, the the pension fund for for retired teachers, it, while while uh, stable, is about 65% funded. It is 35 billion dollars short of what is promised in benefits that's the original Um, mortgage if you will yes and this this pension is still it cost it takes a one out of every five dollars of payroll off the top uh, for every public school district in michigan it is still a huge burden for public schools every uh, every year to balance their budget and pay their pension payments the state has been doing this additional payment to try to help it 
Um, but even over time, because of losses in the stock market and whatnot, um, this was 65% funded when Rick Snyder took office. It's 65% funded now into, into the second term of, of Gretchen Whitmer. Um, so it just it's just a reminder that um, that you still haven't paid off the other mortgage. So there's some questions about if you if you, if you got 670 million freed up essentially, uh, why would you not go put it into the first mortgage uh, instead of the second mortgage? Well, I don't know. I mean, look, take a, a, a helicopter view of the big picture of of money, and uh, we we've run our country into the ground owing trillions of dollars without any thought. And we saw that when uh, when they were at the economic club the other day. No, everyone said everything was great. Oh, by the way, no one said, man, we're trillions of dollars in debt because it seems that nobody thinks anymore that we have to pay these bills up. And certainly we've sent the message to kids that were in college that borrowed money to go to college. Well, it turns out they don't have to pay those bills off either if it's left up to the president in his campaign reelection funding. Um, so I guess it shouldn't surprise us, maybe, Chad Live and Good, that, that people skip right by and say, don't say, well, shouldn't that money go to the first mortgage? It doesn't happen, it seems. Well, that's what we have a legislature for. They're in charge of uh, of a. So when you say so, so when when you say that the diversion of this cash from the teacher retirement fund could be short lived, what it wrap that up? Tell us what you mean by that. Well, the governor is now acknowledging that she's only proposing this for one year. She's not proposing to make it permanent, and it's an acknowledgement that that uh, the the needs for the fund could 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 uh, go up the, the fund could decline in value and then they'd have to they'd have to resume uh, paying a higher payment rather than going from this literally 680 million to 10 million um, uh, they'd have to resume uh, this the the diversion could be short-lived uh, because uh, because the bill might come due again fascinating leave it to Chad live and good politics editor and columnist of the Detroit News, to make his way through all of that and make it easier for all of us to understand. Thank you, Chad. Thanks, Paul. We continue on News Talk 760 WJR. Now, Movie Show Plus presents This Weekend at the Movies with Greg Russell. Sponsored in part by... Wiggly's famous Eastern Market corned beef. Now, with the best viewing in the stream and on the screen, here are Paul W. Smith and Greg Russell. Yeah! Woo! And uh, maybe uh, Dave Rieger will join in, Danielle Mason as well, uh, if they've watched any of these movies. By the way, build your own handcrafted, delicious Wiggly's corned beef sandwich by visiting the D Motown Deli at 3750 Gratiot near Mount Elliott, home of the one-pound Wiggly's Monster. Find them on Instagram at dmotowndeli as well. Oh, does that sound good? And it's not even Friday, it's Thursday, because of our shows tomorrow being devoted to Salvation Army. But Greg Russell, Movie Show Plus, is here. We've missed you, Greg. I hope you're well. I am doing well and glad to be here with you and... Yes, one of these days you and I are going to have to go down and get that monster corned beef sandwich. Oh, I, I can't, look forward I can't to that. Wait. I cannot wait. My mouth waters whenever we talk about this. All right, the movie in the theater this week is called Ordinary Angels. Tell us about this, Ordinary Angels. 
Well, this one stars Hilary Swank and Alan Richland. And Hilary plays this lady who's like from a small town. And she's one of those kind of like busybodies who always wants to get involved with things. And usually when she does, it goes south. But she winds up meeting this man whose wife had just passed away. His daughter has a life, you know, threatening illness. Hmm. And her thing is she was determined to set things up so this girl could get a transplant. And it was just all about her just dedicating all of her time and convincing the father, especially because he was, you know, definitely like, uh, I don't know, you know, if we should do this, but getting the entire town together. And it's based off of a true story. And it was just marvelous to see what happens when you get community all doing things for a common cause. Yeah, you know, and I when I was watching that, because I saw a bit of it, um, I was thinking, well, what could possibly go wrong when someone has their heart in the right place and is trying to do something nice? And then I saw the story about the waitress who got a $10,000 tip and got fired. Yes. So, you know, it's, so all kinds of things can go wrong when someone does something really nice. Right. I saw that, too. That'll be another movie. <laughs> it should be. It should be. Well, let's listen to... Uh, the movie in the theater is Ordinary Angels, Hillary Swank and Company. Let's listen. My name is Sharon, and I'm an alcoholic for the split and headache. My advice, find a reason to be here that's bigger than you are. I read about this family in the paper. I think this is it. Something about that little girl without a mom. Sick. And the family's blood dry from all the hospital bills. I think I'm supposed to help. 400000 plus in medical bills. All three credit cards maxed out. And your income's only 3600 a month. Yes, ma'am. That's not good, Ed. No, ma'am. You're asking us to reduce the family's medical bills due to hardship. No, I'm asking you to erase them. All of them. Was that funny? Daddy! Oh, you want to go on an adventure? Michelle will need to fly 700 miles to the children's hospital. Are you telling me we need a plane now? How exactly do you recommend we get a plane, Doc? I'll get you a plane, I promise. This is our last chance. If we don't take it, Michelle dies. How did it become your responsibility to save her? Because I'm here. Because I can. Hmm. Fascinating. Um, let me ask a sidebar question of our expert, sure. Greg Russell, Movie Show Plus. Whatever happened to Hillary Swank? Well, she, uh, I think she just had twins a couple of years back. Okay, so, that yeah, would take some time, and, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, she, she's back, and she, I think she really enjoys doing now these smaller movies. I mean, you know, you've already got the two Academy Awards, so you're good as far as, you know, even the big blockbusters. But she enjoys these type of movies, and it, it is a very moving movie paul w i gotta tell you there's one scene i brought up to when i interviewed them at the end they're trying to get the little girl out of their minnesota town but of course the snowstorm hits mm. and all of a sudden they were able to find this one person who says yes i've got a helicopter i can do it but the entire community got together to shovel a path and make a runway or whatever you want to call it or helipad port for this helicopter to land and that was it was just so moving to see again just people working for people so it's going to be a, it is a feel-good movie and it stays that way i hope it does okay. it really does so what how many sandwiches are we giving it you know we'll we will definitely give this a a three and uh you know a nice little pickle slice there as well <laughs> okay. it, it's, it's very inspirational i mean it, it should make you feel good when you leave
Ordinary Angels in the theater starting uh, this weekend. Movie on Netflix. Let's listen now to Mea Culpa. Mr. Malloy, this is Mia Harper. I'd like to meet with you to discuss your case. What the prosecution has is pretty damning. I know that you have an eye for details, so don't leave anything out. So you believe this guy? Sire, why did you do it? I've never seen anything like it. You always go with your gut. Please, this is my life in the Toronto room. Someone has been covering up evidence in this case. Why would she record this? I don't know, Mia. DNA found in one of your paintings. You have no idea who he is. A snake is never violent when stalking their prey. It's only when they get right into striking distance that they become very violent. I don't think I'm going to see that movie. I don't know why. Just the, the mere mention of a snake turns me off. <laughs> tell us. Right. And, and, well, the title, Mia Culpa, is from the Latin, meaning through my fault, meaning that everything that's going wrong, I believe, is my, you know, because of me. Uh, it starts Kelly Rowland, who used to be in Destiny's Child. She's a, an attorney. And so she is trying to work on this one case, which is just immediately going south because this guy's accused of murder. And next thing you know, just problems begin happening with her family. And uh, I have to say this much yet. Tyler definitely knows his audience. Right. You're absolutely right. This is not a guy movie. When I was down, I saw it in Atlanta uh, for one of their premieres. It was the theater was filled with ladies and they were all yelling and screaming and talking about their having watch parties. All the guys were going, I've seen it. I'm good. So. uh, (laughs) Okay. So how many half sandwiches are you going to give it? <laughs> well, somebody even said that it was Tyler's best finally thriller movie, you know, as far as something. But you're, you're absolutely right. It's, we'll put it right down the middle. You know, we'll give it like a two. And, um, and a cup of soup. There you go. There you go. Half like sandwich said, and a cup, for, cup of soup. It's, it's for a certain group, you know, to see. And, uh, but... Hey, you know, Tyler, I got to give him credit. That guy's just down there pumping things out. He even already has a street named after him down in Atlanta. I'm, that's amazing. Good for him. Yeah. It, yeah. Took Paul, it took Paul Harvey 70 years to get a street named after him in Chicago. And even the same thing for Barry Gordy. You know? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think we have a J.P. McCarthy street, and we should have a long time ago. I mean, I don't remember ever hearing about one, but whatever. I, I don't either, but yeah. That, we should do that. That would be great. Greg Russell, Movie Show Plus, and the good folks at the D Motown Deli. God bless you. Thank you. We'll look forward to next week. Always a pleasure, Paul W. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we did them today because tomorrow's a big, big day. 37th annual Bed and Bread Club Radiothon. Officially getting underway in a little over two hours with information. Leading right up into the first thing in the morning broadcasts. And uh, we're looking forward to that. As we continue on News Talk 760, WJR. I am certain that tomorrow, with our very special broadcast, it will be streaming, obviously, because we always are streaming audio, but we'll be streaming, I'm presuming, because we have in the past, video of the broadcast starting uh, bright and early in the morning. So I hope you can uh, tune in and tune in. For everything we've got going on, we'll go through that in just a moment. Marie Osborne will play 
an even bigger role uh, helping us out tomorrow because it looks like uh, looks like Chris Renwick is uh, finally succumbing to whatever's going around, the schmutz that's going around and probably will not be able to answer the bell tomorrow. Marie Osborne answers all bells, and she's, in fact, going to be taking over uh, JR Afternoon with Chris Renwick uh, with Marie this very afternoon, and I know you're raring to go. You've been working all day, Marie. I have, indeed. I'm like Pavlov's dog. I always respond to the bell. <laughs> Only no treats, I'm afraid. Well, we'll have treats. There are always treats yeah. somewhere at the end of the day or end of the road. I hope there will be treats for you, too. You know what I think would be a treat? A treat in a different way. I would love to see uh, 15-year-old Charlie Woods, Tiger Woods' 15-year-old son, qualifying for a PGA Tour event. I think it would be... I think it would draw more people back to watching these events almost as great as when his dad was healthy and could play and would change everything in golf. What do I, you think? I would agree with you. And isn't that just an amazing thing to see how deeply talented that youngster is? And, I mean, obviously, you know, his dad worked with him and all that, but some of that athleticism has to come through genetics. Yeah, it's truly amazing. Yeah. Truly it amazing. It is. And from what I can see, Tiger approaches his son far differently than wow. Tiger's dad approached him. Yeah. Quick story. Years ago, I had Tiger Woods' father on as a guest on the show. Tiger was a young boy, and the dad was a promoter. I mean, he promoted mm -hmm. and said, you're not going to believe what my son is going to accomplish in golf. Uh, I've worked with him since he was very little. I pounded pans. I did everything to get him to concentrate, blah, blah, blah. We all know those stories. Mm -hmm. And our sports people at the radio station at the time said, yeah, it's just a dad with wishful thinking and bragging for his son. I don't believe it. And I believed it. And because I believed it and taped that interview, I was able to present it to Tiger through the Buick Open people years later. And that created a, a relationship where I was able to do one-on-one -on -one interviews with Tiger Woods when he would come in for the Buick Open and such. Well, I'm here to tell you, I am going to go out on a limb and say, though the pressure on Charlie Woods is unthinkable, having Tiger Woods as your dad, I have as much hope and belief that this kid, Charlie, is going to do maybe as well as his father, if not better. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, of course, that obviously remains to be seen. I'll never forget, um, I never, I didn't see this live. I, I saw it years later on uh, tape. Wasn't he on Johnny Carson? His dad was on Johnny Carson. Oh, yeah, with on him all the a, television shows as yeah. a very little kid. Yeah, like three years old or something like that. And he just, <laughs> yes. he was just amazing. And then, you know, you also hear the stories of Serena Williams' father and, and how he, uh, pushed the, the, the two girls to really become these superstars uh, in tennis. But, boy, they really had the talent to begin with. They have the talent, and they have the parents who have made the decision. Now, some might say they pushed too hard. I'm not, yeah. gonna, I'm not in a position to say that. I'm going to say that they have strong parents who believe in them, and uh, and generally it works out better that way. But now, of course, there are people who say, well, uh, you know, they wanted to be, like like saying that Tiger's dad wanted to be a good golfer and he couldn't be, so he made his son do it. Well, I never saw that. I mean, 
That's not the way. And the same thing with the Williams girls. I don't, I don't, I don't think that. I mean, their fathers were very strong and wanted them to accomplish, you know, good things, and they have. Uh, but that aside, it's going to be fun to watch uh, Charlie Woods. Uh, I have not seen it, but uh, God bless the workers at Fairmont Sign Company. Yeah. Um, they've got all these welcome to Detroit uh, signs. And apparently, I, I saw this in the news last night. I went, where are we, Hollywood? They've got a big Detroit uh, uh sign if you will they sure do and you know it, it, here it, it, marie talk a little bit i gotta do something keep, okay keep the, the idea behind the detroit sign and i don't know off the top of my head where this is going to be located but it will be on one of the freeways and so it's uh, it is you know a la hollywood sign where people are going to see that they're getting it installed obviously for the for the um draft that's coming up they want people to see it they want people to take pictures of it they want to flood social media obviously with the picture of this detroit sign and it's the separate letters spelling detroit and it's being made by a detroit company which i thought was pretty awesome in and of itself so the question is is it going to take the place let's say of the uniroyal tire because a lot of us um identify coming out of the airport and seeing the Uniroyal tire and what that's all about and, and getting fo- photographs on that. But they really want to flood social media with this Detroit sign, and yeah, they great. probably will get it. Yeah, I th- I hope so. It looks fabulous. I mean, it looks great. Yeah, Thank you for your help. Yeah. It was a UPS delivery guy <laughs> who needed my signature because I needed to send away and spend a billion dollars to get a birth certificate to prove that Sophie is my daughter, to continue to get insurance through the company. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Have you seen yeah, that you... that thing? That, uh, whatever I, that company I don't is? have anybody under the age of 26. So uh, I think it's 26, right, or 25? It is like 26, so, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So I don't have that. But, yeah, everything's getting tougher uh, and having to prove that, you know, she's your kid. Well, she, it wasn't the, good if, enough for her to just say, yeah, this is my dad. Trust me, it's my well, dad. How about this? They last checked in 2018, so I said to them, just use the same things I must have had to come up with in 2018. Nothing's changed. Right. But you can't do that, and so uh, there you are. And now yeah. I'm up against the deadline or we lose all of our insurance. The world has it, come up with new businesses. Yep. For now, proving your employees are really <laughs> insuring the people they're supposed to employ, and look what they pay that company a lot. And then they did the, the, the uh, I can't remember the inclusion and whatever the other thing is, uh, with all of the testing and all the stuff they paid companies that have come out of the woodwork and started businesses where they know they can take uh, scared people and uh, charge them uh, tremendous amounts of money. So they can prove that they're not a racist company. I mean, it's. It, I mean, it comes down to that. Well, one of my pet peeves is filling out all the paperwork when you have to go to the doctor's office. Every single time oh, you go to the doctor's office, like you get, you know, you do obviously you do it through the portal for your hospital, and you have to f- put out ten pages or fill out ten pages of forms so that you can pre register to have your appointment now mind you the hospital already has the system has all this and i I actually went to a doctor the other day and they said oh i'm sorry you're gonna have to fill it out again we have our own paperwork (sighs) and it just you know it's hard not to get really ticked off at that it is especially since you've paid them in the past oh yes indeed i don't know what's going on in this world but somebody's got to fix it one way or another hey big day tomorrow thank you for helping us tomorrow for our special day.
The 37th annual Bed and Bread Club Radiothon, which actually starts at 4 this afternoon with information, then 5 o'clock tomorrow morning, will be on with Focus with Marie Osborne and yours truly from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's going to be a lot of fun and a wonderful opportunity to feel really good about helping others. See you tomorrow. Regards, Paul W. Smith.